Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. On today's show, I chat with Danae about her two hospital births. While volunteering in Haiti after the 2010 earthquake, Danae was placed in a unit that looked after birthing women. She describes that experience as stepping into an old pair of shoes and the inspiration she needed to find her passion in supporting women as a doula. Her first birth, she was induced at 40 plus six weeks, and although classified as a successful induction, she knew with her second birth that she wanted to work with her birthing body and allow the space and time for her baby to come naturally. We chat about how she got her surges to come back after the car ride to the hospital and how her yoga practices helped to heal and strengthen her mind and body. Enjoy this episode, guys. Hi, Danae. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, good afternoon. Do you want to just quickly tell us a little bit about yourself? Awesome. So um, I live in Sydney um, and I work as a specialised birth doula. Um, and I have two little boys, a three-year-old and a five-year-old um, in my family with my amazing uh, partner, um, Big Rob, we all call him. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm very lucky. I've got my mum. She lives um, just down the road, a couple of hundred metres down the road. So I oh, wouldn't be able dream. to do amazing. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without having that support. Yeah, because being a doula, you'd be gone at all hours of the night, wouldn't you? Yeah, all over the place. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I can be home in two or three hours. And sometimes, um, you know, I'm gone for two days. Has that actually happened where you've gone for two days? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, often that happens. Yeah, with first-time mums, um, yeah, definitely. I can leave at sort of 8 o'clock in the morning. Just recently, actually, um, I left at 8 o'clock in the morning and I wasn't home until sort of it was all that day and then I wasn't home until 10 o'clock the following night. So Wow. um, yeah, that's like, you know, two days for my family that don't see me. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you plan your pregnancies? Oh, no. <laughs> no. My first one was a big surprise. 
So um, my beautiful partner and I, and I um, when we met, um, it was kind of one of those love at first sight things where I sat down with him and sort of immediately after spending half an hour with him, I knew this was the guy. Beautiful. Um, and we were inseparable ever since. Um, he moved into my apartment not long after, a couple of months after, and it was like in February and by November I was pregnant with our first. Mm-hmm. Massive surprise. We were both really excited but also it was just, I mean, we weren't not trying. I mean, we weren't really being careful yeah. at all. But I just didn't, was, wasn't expecting to fall pregnant at all. No. Mm. And how yeah. was your pregnancy with your first? So um, I had a lot of injury. Um, okay. I've um, when I was nineteen, I was a passenger in a car accident <gasps> oh. and broke, shattered my sacrum, and had compression fractures in T six and T seven. Oh um, wow! And broke my pelvis in six places. Oh my gosh! Um, and I was I definitely started to feel I mean it had gone through like a long journey of recovery which was amazing my body was functioning really well I was kickboxing and doing professional fights and things so I was feeling great mm-hmm. um, but when the pregnancy kicked in I really started to feel um, instability okay. um, and in particular I got insane nerve pain from a, a patch in my thigh that has always actually been numb since those um since those injuries I just lost feeling from my knee to my hip Mm. and um that came alive in pregnancy like alive like fire alive and I would spend if I was cooking I'd have my leg up on the counter Mm. yeah that nerve pain came alive until I started practicing sort of yoga two or three times a day so I'd go through very specific pelvic alignment kind of movement I got really into understanding and researching pelvises and where this nerve pressure could be coming from and got really into understanding what was actually because I feel like when you get pain in your in your body it's your brain telling you there's something wrong I don't like it in pregnancy when women just say oh it's just pregnancy pain you've just got to deal with it I feel like there's things that need to be addressed when you have pain Mm -hmm. um so yeah I wanted to address what was causing the pain and the instability and look at um yeah, ways to help support my body to pass through that. And mm-hmm. within about eight weeks, um, it improved um, so much to the point where um, it almost completely went away. Oh, wow. So, was it a particular type of yoga? Yeah, so I decided I was so into um, like the idea of yoga therapy of, that I decided to do my yoga teacher training while I was pregnant. Um, because I thought if I really want to understand what's going on here, I need to do more than just go to yoga classes. Yeah. Um, so I went to the yoga institute where they do traditional breath-centered yoga. So it's not like you – and look, there's nothing wrong with power living. I'm not bashing any other – there's just an example. It's not a cookie-cutter diploma factory where you go in and out and learn how to do sequences. Um, this is real traditional breath-centered like yoga therapy. Um, where I really wanted to understand in much more depth what was happening with my body, with my mind, where was this, where was this pain coming from? And so, yeah, that was the process that I sort of went through with my body until, and I was okay until I got to like that 39 week mark, Mm -hmm. um, where everything just sort of buckled. Um, and Dane, I mean, Dane was, that's my first son. He was a, he was like he wasn't that big a baby I was just 
massive. Why? <laughs> you know, you know, some women like just carry it so well, yeah. and they could have four kilo babies in there, but they, you know, their uteruses are anterior or whatever, and they just don't. Um, yeah, they just don't yeah. seem to. I was just enormous. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, and it was really starting to impact, like, you know, the the stability that I had in my pelvis. And that seemed to me was what was most concerning for me was I felt like it was starting to plant grains of fear, like sand, you know, because it's not the mountain ahead of you that kills you. It's the grain of sand in your shoe, right? Yeah, so true. So did any doctors raise a red flag about that? Do you know, interestingly enough, no. Like I took oh, scans. I, I took scans to which is so different to what I experienced with a lot yeah. of obstetricians and, you know, with women that I support now. But I took scans, it was at RPA, and I took scans of my pelvis, like trying to show people like, Can we take me seriously? Look oh. at my pelvis. You know, because I thought um, it was me that was bringing the fear into it, not someone else and even though I'd you know I'd already started my you know birth support journey prior to having my own kids so I feel like this was it was fascinating for me to watch what was unfolding for me mm-hmm. to see that I actually introduced the fear into it not the doctors they all wow. seem to be like fine relax <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh that's awesome that's nice um, to hear that and I, I remember getting in the car after one of the last appointments with with the, you know, like just the public hospital doctor when you go and do the, um, you know, because everyone eventually sees an obstetrician. Mm-hmm. And I came out and I said to Rob, I was like, why won't they take me seriously? Like, can't they see my, can't they see what I'm showing them? And he's like, what you're showing them is, is like, that's healed now, love. Oh, nice. Okay. And, I, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so what model of care did you choose? I chose, I knew by that point that the best way to get a low intervention birth was to go through the public system. So I went through um, the public, I I couldn't get into the midwifery group practice at RPA um, and so I just chose to go through the public system there. I was comfortable. I'd already already felt like I knew a lot about birth and knew what I wanted Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that was fine for me. Yeah, awesome. And how had you armed yourself with knowledge about birth? So um, I have, prior to um, me falling pregnant or being in Sydney where I met my partner, I lived um, in New York um, for oh, wow. quite a period of time. I owned a restaurant and a nightclub there um, with my brother. And Oh, my gosh. Was, yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. Um, we decided to um, get involved with an orphanage that was being built in Haiti. Oh, wow. um, and when the earthquake hit in 2010, um, you know, I went across as part of a first aid response team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just happened, it was the right time, right place, I just happened to be put into part of a unit called the Karma Foundation, which at the time was an offshoot of a United Nations branch mm-hmm. that was looking for birthing women. Um, so, you know, like I was living the high life in New York, running my nightclub. I wasn't around people having babies or wasn't even in my awareness at that time. And the first birth that I saw, it was like I'd stepped into an old pair of shoes. I was like, this is, 
this is where it's at. Like, this is the human experience. And I ended up staying there for nearly nine months, um, um, going around in all the different communities, basically pitching tents um, and so, like creating a, a safe space, I guess, for women to birth in, in a third world country that had been brought to the ground in an earthquake. Mm. Um, so that was my experiences of birth prior to coming back to Australia. Mm, okay. um, I then went back to New York, sold my restaurant, came home and have been doing this ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the births like over there being in a third world country? Incredible. Uh, you know, particularly in a lot of the more rural villages, they have so much ceremony and so much beauty in the way they approach. And there'd been women that had walked for days to find other birthing women because of the, you know, the rubble and the chaos. Oh. Um, and you'd find that, you know, they were like... It's just they ah, oh, it's just completely different. Yeah, wow. Um, it really is, and the way that they're, I think, the way that they function in compared to the way that modern women function in a modern society, where we sit in cars and we lounge mm. back up lounge suites, we're not walking around, we're not squatting all the time. Yeah, that definitely impacts the dynamic equilibrium of your pelvis. There's no doubt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all this, this obsession that we have with Kegel exercises and tightening your pelvic floor and it's like, what are we, who really, what are we really doing here? What are we actually teaching women? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, where can we be looking actually to find real birth knowledge? Um, I think we've become such a society of it's all about clinical care when there's actually two very apparent aspects to birth that I see, which is, you know, the clinical care aspect around keeping women safe, but also the massive spiritual and emotional journey. Yeah. And, um, you know, one is at the moment currently recognised in our maternity care system and the other is not. Mm-hmm. Um, so from what I had seen, my perspective then coming back, you know, I went to a, we went to an RPA antenatal class and, you know, they pulled out the epidural packet and they looked around and said, you know, you know, thirty percent of women in this room are going to have a C-section. Oh, <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? It's quite, you know, the difference was yeah. just like, oh, and most of these, you know, these women spoke Creole, so you know, a huge amount of them didn't. The language barrier, you know, like when you're supporting someone, the language doesn't mean anything. I think in birth, often it's really about having the confidence when you look someone in the eye and yeah. You know, just you know, trusting the journey. Yeah. So I had that experience. That was in 2010, and I fell pregnant with Dane in 2014. Mm. Is that what inspired you to become a doula? Yeah, I knew that that's all I wanted to do. When I came back, I was like, I want to be, this is the human experience I want to be involved in. Yeah. This is my purpose. I want women to have these experiences here mm-hmm. in our modern world that these women were able to um, to reach out and grab. I mean, like, where are the differences? I, I just wanted to be able to give women the opportunity to see this is how it can be. And I wasn't sure how to get into this work. So I just started, a couple of my friends started having babies and I was, you know, just invited myself, you know, kind of, I was like, this is what I've done over in Haiti. I reckon I could really help you out here. These are the things that, I, that I've learned. And, you know, a couple of very lucky a couple of my beautiful friends like yeah sure come along and we had these incredible birthing experience and I was like I wish I don't want to be a midwife because I don't want to be on the side of clinical care and I want but how do I actually do this 
as a job. And, you know, I was going through a bit of my own journey too, having moved home from New York and given up this incredible life that I'd had. Everyone told me I was crazy to try and pursue something that I didn't really know what existed. Um, so at the time, you know, I went back to uni. I tried to do maths back at uni because I thought maybe if I do maths I can get into science and that leads me into birth. I didn't really understand the pathway okay. um, until I met Rob and then Rob was like, well, why don't you just start with yoga? <laughs> And when I started, when I was at my doing my yoga teacher training, there was a girl there that was a doula, and she was like, "Oh no, this is what we do." And yes, it's a job. And I did my training at the Australian Doula College, and I was like, "Right, this is wow, a divine purpose." Yes, you know, when you meet people on the way. So that's yeah. Then I went and did my um, to solidify the training. Right. Okay. So you were already a doula when you fell pregnant. So you already yeah. had like a strong sense of what birth was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I didn't fully understand the, um, you know, what I understand now around the medical system, I didn't have that understanding when I was going to my birth. Right. Okay. I'd seen a very different side of what I believed birth to be mm-hmm. um, and yeah I had a very positive experience but it's interesting now looking back you know sometimes Rob and I will say to each other you know like fuck weren't we lucky that we, <laughs> we scooted through that the way that so we did. true do you want to take us back to the end of your pregnancy um, the nerve, came, nerve pain had come back by that stage mm-hmm. um, and I was finding the pressure in my pelvis pretty excruciating. Okay. Um, and whether that was, um, look, whether that was because of my injury or whether that was something else, I actually, uh, to this day, I don't know because in my second pregnancy I was completely fine. So oh, whether it... Um, yeah, Rob's Rob's just walked in and he's saying it was probably in my head, which I actually do. You know, once you once fear comes into play, yeah. I think your mind is extremely powerful. Oh, absolutely! And I think that a huge part of it was um, I had decided that. Um, I mean, now I've done a lot more work with training your brain and training your mind. That's a huge part of what I do now, having learnt from that experience. Um, and, yeah, I think that I decided that um, that my pelvis wasn't going to do this anymore um, just because – and I think it's, like, just part of trauma. Um, it was such a massive injury at the time and I don't think I had completely processed that whole – time in my life and mm. I think part of it was pain and part of it was like post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. so I think that there, you know there probably was you know a little bit of pain involved but then it was emotion um and not and, and not dealing with it and not having dealt with it properly and the the roadblocks that it put in my way in my life mm-hmm. um, and the limitations that it put on me at the time I think that all started to come back up so at what point did you end up going into labor so I decided to get induced. Okay, right. Um, and it was at 40 plus six days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had terrible cold as well, as a lot of women do, you know, at the end your immune system's shot. And yeah. it's just so we decided, and my mum as well at the time was saying, you know, she's like from a different generation obviously and not very, doesn't have, she's got a huge amount of birth knowledge now because of what I do. Mm-hmm. But at the time she was like, you never go over 40 weeks you know, that's 
dangerous. Her, you know, she, her husband um, now had, they had a, you know, a stillborn at, you know, 42 weeks or something like that. And she's just like, you don't go past your estimated due date. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, mum, gosh, you know, so getting past that. Um, and again, I didn't have the education that I have now to understand um, that 46 weeks, we decided to get induction and it will never cease to surprise me how easy it was to walk in the door that day that I made myself an appointment and I said, I want to get induced. Mm-hmm. And they said, yep, sure, okay, this is your, in- your pack your bag tonight and come back tomorrow morning and we'll induce your labour for you. And that mm-hmm. was it. This is what you bring and this is, and you come the next day and it'll be done. And we were like, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> so I'll go home and, you know, eat, <laughs> eat a good dinner tonight and tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby. Like, it's yeah. just it's fascinating to me. Again, now looking back, the lack of information that they give you. Mm-hmm. And, you know. It's just so common. It's just like oh, grabbing a coffee. Yes. Yeah. Just like that. Boom. So, anyway, look, I made the choice that I made. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, even looking back, you know, sometimes I say to Rob, you know, did we make the right decision? And he said, yeah, it was the right decision for you at that time. Yeah. So, and I do actually really appreciate the decision that I've made and the experience that I've had because now I can help other women. 1, so I've become a bit of a specialist with induction now, which is really nice to have had that experience to say to women, I, I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. This is this is the whole process. This is what they do. It's it's good. It's good. I like to have had that experience to now share it and empower other women. Yeah. So you went into hospital. Do you want to take us to yeah. that moment? Yeah, I went into hospital at 6 o'clock in the morning, super excited. Um, And, you know, because I'd seen all this birth and I was like, this is going to be my moment. (laughs) (laughs) So I went in. I had the prostaglandin gel. um, And all through the day that day I was getting, like, rising back pain, um, which is really nice, like, coming and going through the day, like, very rhythmically. Like, my whole body, my blood would really – it felt like I was – filling up and then deflating again um and that went all through the day um but there was no change to my cervix so they did a cook's catheter so you know for people that don't know what that is it's like a balloon that gets inserted into your cervix Mm -hmm. and it expands you know through the night Uh, they pump it up um, to try and help, um, you know, ripen or ready your cervix or open your cervix a little bit to break your waters. So that was um, that process, um, the messing around, like with your cervix and your uterus, made me very lightheaded. Yeah. Um, so I had no problem with the procedures themselves. Um, I actually, I mean, I don't find pap smears uncomfortable. I don't, I've never had any issues with, um, you know, like vaginal examinations or anything like that. So um, I didn't find that um, difficult at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it wasn't it wasn't amazing, but um, yeah, no, it was fine. And I they gave me um, some I think it's probably like tamazepam or and Panadol to sleep that night, which I now know that Panadol is a prostaglandin blocker, so <laughs> something I passed to my clients. <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the time, it felt great because yeah. I was pretty. You know, it was pretty uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and they said, sleep tonight and the next day we'll wake up and you can break the waters and start the group if nothing happens overnight, um, which, of course, it didn't. Yeah. Um, in the morning at 7 o'clock, um, 
it took two doctors to break my waters. I remember the first attempt didn't work um, and then another a woman came in that was um, seemed much more experienced and Hook was in and the waters were out. Um, and I went straight down onto the syntocin and drip. Um, and very interestingly enough for me is all the birth that I had seen and everything that I understood about birth was, um, you know, upright, active birthing. Everything that I'd been working on in my yoga practice was all about being upright and birthing. And all I wanted to do was lie down. Um, I wanted to lie on my back just peacefully in the bed and, which is very counter to what I thought and had seen and to what I still teach women. Um, And on reflection, um, I will now have a deep respect for the women that, for the positions that women intuitively want to be in. So no matter how much OMP knowledge Mm -hmm. I have now, I still listen to what a woman wants to do with her body because she, you know, there's, there's a communication, a knowledge that, on between your brain and your body mm-hmm. and babies will navigate the space that they have available to them um, and even though um, Rob was like I know you don't want to be lying down um, can you try and get up I just I couldn't get up were you having pretty intense contractions at that point yeah yeah okay. I, and, and my experience with pain in my life has been Um, I feel like I've had a lot of interaction with pain in the recovery that I've had with my accident. I remember as a kid, my dad, um, my dad's allergic to anaesthetic. And when he took me ice skating and fell and split his um, eyebrow open and I sat with him and watched him get his eyebrow stitched up um, just by breathing. He said, don't worry, I'm going to close my eyes and and everything's going to be okay. And I watched him basically meditate himself through a situation when I was very young, like, um, my understanding of pain and dealing with pain in my life has been really positive. Yeah. So I don't. I think that the from now understanding like the the you know how many meals of syntocin you get and when women usually ask for pain relief, I was way beyond that point mm-hmm. and still um, still coping really well. Like the contractions, contractions were really intense. But I was so happy to – I was in the corner room in RPA where there's a beautiful big tree out the window. I'll never forget it. And it was quite a windy day and I was thinking in my mind, you know, the chaos is in the tree but the calm is in this room. Mm. And I was fine for, for, my, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I asked um, – and then, you know, as the hours were ticking past, um, it was about, you know, about – 12.30, I think, when, you know, I stood up and I said to Rob, I need to go to the bathroom. And I, I'm one of those people that I like to, and still, I, wouldn't, I won't go to the bathroom in front of Rob. I like to wee on my own, <laughs> my time, I close the door. I just can't wee in front of anyone. Yeah. And, I, and I went into the bathroom and sat down on the toilet and I had a massive contraction, obviously, you know, because all of a sudden I was upright. And I knew I was a broken woman because I had to get Rob to come into the toilet to get me. And I, and I, and I remember in my head thinking, fuck, I'm like, I'm in trouble. Um, and, um, and my mind just completely switched. I had all of a sudden I got a massive rush and I was like, get me the fuck out of this situation. Like, 
I need out. Obviously, you know, like now looking back, I know I was transitioning. Mm. But I was like, I want out now. And I remember ripping his hair like a vicious animal. I was, and I was slapping him and whacking him. And I was like, you, I helped, like just begging him to help me. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying to the midwives, like, quick, 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 you need to come in. And, and they were so beautiful. They, you know, they, they got me. I said, I need to get back onto the bed. I can't, I cannot be in this position. This isn't the position for my baby. I need to be back flat on the bed. On the bed. And when I got on the bed, they said to me, what are you feeling? And I said, I, can, I knew in my head, I was thinking, what can I say here? Which is so interesting, like the now the psychology, I, you know, I look back and understand what's the psychology of women that really want to manipulate their way out of birth, right? Mm-hmm. So you start to find like what the weak point is of people. And I was like, my pelvis is breaking. My pelvis is breaking again. It's exploding. You never took me seriously about my pelvis and now it's happening and you need to get me my epidural. <laughs> I found, you know, like the, picked the person, you know, that I knew would be the weak point mm-hmm. and I was. And I was going, which is I see it play out in birth with women all the time. Like that's what you do, the the, the power of manipulation. <laughs> Get yourself out. <laughs> Not to be underestimated, right? Yeah. And I could see every time the door opened, the person come in and they said yes you know we want to get you what you want try the gas and I didn't want the gas because that was stopping me from, I was breathing really well so I felt like it was stopping me from having space in front of my face mm-hmm. um, and every time the curtain opened I was like please let that be the anesthetist like I was thrashing around in the bed really like um, you know I don't often see that kind of birth behavior in other women as well it was mm-hmm. really quite Feisty. <laughs> Were you getting a break between contractions? No, no. And yeah. I think that, like, the special thing about Sintocinin is that it just absolutely yeah. smashes. Because I'm recognizing a lot. Like, that sounds so familiar to how I was when I had the yeah. Sintocin. Yeah. A wild animal. It's just like a straight out master. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys need to listen to me, otherwise. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat your face. Yeah. <laughs> Bite out of you. <laughs> oh dear. No, it is so intense and it doesn't function in the same way as in your brain as physiological labor does. No. And so your brain responds differently. Yes. And it's, um, yeah, it was really full on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the anaesthetist did finally walk in and he's, you know, like, anaesthetist is always a good news story, you know. Like, oh, no. <laughs> so happy to see him. And I couldn't, you know, there wasn't, like you said, I wasn't getting a break in between contractions to even sit up. Mm-hmm. So it was like I felt like I had just had one long contraction for, you know, 40 minutes. Oh. And as soon as I sat up, um, I, I grabbed onto Rob in front of me and I just whispered to him. I remember not even saying it that loud, oh, my God, I need to push. <gasps> and it was so, I felt like that stingy, it wasn't like an urge to bed down or like a poo feeling. Often when I support women, they'll say they need to do an enormous poo. Mm-hmm. I actually, I felt like a stingy, burning feeling inside, like right at the top. It was like the most, it wasn't like in my vagina. It was right inside at the top, like in more in my pelvis. Um, and the midwife, bless her heart, she must have heard me. And she was like, well, "Just let's do a, an examination just to check before you have this epidural because, you know, like you've said, you want to push. And sure enough, uh, you know, um, Dane was right there. And I wanted to be back on my back again. 
Um, and and she said, you know, do you want to get up? Do you want to stand? Like the whole time they were trying to help me be upright or have a shower or do things that, you know, you would normally do to support a woman. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I need to be back on my back again. Um, and, yeah, I pushed for 20 minutes and he was out. Mm. Uh, I didn't have any tearing or grazing. He was just, he was there. And how did you feel after that experience? I felt amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I was just so thrilled that I hadn't had the epidural. I was so thrilled that that it all, you know, by 2 o'clock I had my baby. So from the time of breaking my waters to 2 p.m., you know, I had Dane in my arms. Mm. Um, I was so thrilled that my pelvis did it. Um, yeah. And I couldn't believe that Rob had stood up the whole time next to the bed. I was like, honey, why didn't you sit down? <laughs> I, just, um, I, I just... I think it was all quite, quite surreal. And afterwards, I remember I was like, "Is this what happens in women's heads? You know, you you try to rest, and all I did was play my birth over and over in my head, over and over and over and over again." Mm-hmm. And I guess for women that don't have a good experience, that continuous play of um, difficulty mm-hmm. would it's not just the birth itself it's the mental aftermath that is so traumatizing yeah. um, but for me I just was like oh my god <laughs> like I feel I felt like I stood at the doors of hell and <laughs> and decided to walk through yeah. I just it's such a blessing now to be when I support women I understand what it's like to be on that edge um, to know what it's like to want to be to want out so badly that you would literally pull someone's arm off to get it. Yeah. Um, and um, I, I'm so grateful for that experience. Mm-hmm. So, what did you learn from that birth, and what did you take from that birth into your next pregnancy and birth? So, the biggest things what I learned from that is I wanted to understand what happens in like in your brain, in your mind when you transition. So where, why do you go from everything is fine and, yes, it's intense but I'm actually coping okay to so significantly um, off the wall? Um, So I wanted to get a really good understanding of the process of what happened in your brain at that point and the different hormones that cascade and where that sort of catapults or explodes. And the other thing that I, I, I felt like even though you know, we didn't have a birth plan as such walking in. I still had so much knowledge about birth and I wasn't afraid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I walked in so happy and I, when the first, um, when the when I first had my waters broken, I came down and started the drip, you know, the, the team comes into the room to say, look, these are the doctors that are here for the day. You know, if you need us, because, you know, with inductions, <laughs> don't always go that great, you know, they do but a lot of the time they don't and so they you know they want you to meet the team and all that sort of thing and they were like wow you look so happy and I was like I'm psyched (laughs) this is the day and they were like wow okay that's pretty unusual so the biggest thing that I learned is you know no matter what kind of birth that you're walking women into is you want them to be empowered by all of the choices that they've made Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're going, if you've chosen to have an induction for medical indication or you just, you know, I try to make sure that women um, understand it's better not to choose to have an induction without medical indication 
But also, if it is their choice, it's their choice. You have to respect that and arm them with as much knowledge as they can so that they're not afraid. And they were the biggest things that I learned um, from that experience. Mm -hmm. And then coming into – and then we wanted to have another baby. So – I had a miscarriage between um, Dane and Brock, but then oh, fell pregnant really easily again. Yeah. It's okay. And um, I started my yoga practice and working with my pelvis and these very specific – sort of at that time I didn't know about OMP, so I was doing all the spinning baby stuff. Mm-hmm. I was doing forward leaning inversions. Rob was shaking my bum every day. We were doing sideline releases. Um, and I started doing yoga practice, you know, once or, or, or twice a day sometimes. Um, and my, I cut out gluten and sugar out of my diet as much as I could because, you know, gluten causes inflammation in the pelvis. Um, oh, okay. And mm, so, I mean, well, it causes inflammation in all kinds of systems, you know, yeah. particularly your thyroid and, and your pelvis, and your thyroid governs your hormonal system. So I was like, so I'm going to completely change my approach this time. Mm-hmm. Um and it worked really, really well for me. I didn't have any pain um, until I fell over on our driveway <gasps> and fractured, uh, fractured my hip. Oh, my you're joking. Yeah, when I was 26 weeks. Oh, no. And I could not believe it. I was like, you know, I'm just destined to break, you know, oh. one of those people broken oh, so many you poor thing. <laughs> it was awful. Oh, no. But How did you trip? It had been raining and oh, we've no. got a very steep driveway and there was moss on the driveway and I stepped out of the car to hold the buzzer up closer because the garage door wasn't opening and just slipped and smashed down on my left hip. Oh. Had this massive huge bruise from my hip down to my knee. It was so but and look the the only thing that you can do with that is just rest and let it heal. So for like, you know, that I was like, you know what, this is going to get me through. By the time this is finished, I'm going to be, what, 36 weeks? I'm going to be close to having my baby. So mm-hmm. let's just let's just all tone it down a notch for 10 weeks, which is, yeah, what we did. I could still walk a little bit. Um, so I was still going for little walks. I couldn't do my yoga practice, but we were still doing everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually okay. Um, I think it's causing me a little bit of stuff now um but um at the time it was perfectly fine um i went into physiological labor with brocky at 40 plus two days we're out having pizza with dane and rob were walking home and it was a warm july night and i remember as we're walking home i was like i feel so good just like Rob needed to walk home faster because he wanted to go to the bathroom. I was like, honey, you keep going. I'm just going to walk with Dane. Mm-hmm. We're just going <laughs> to smell the flowers. <laughs> so relaxed. And I was like, oh, this is – why do I feel so, like, not, like so – like, I know I'm a bit of a hippie, but I was really relaxed. <laughs> and, um, and when I got home, you know, quite soon after, um, I started to get, you know, like those beautiful waves that start to come through and I was like, this is it. This is happening. Mm. Can I ask what model of care you chose this time around? Yeah, I was, this time I went to um, Ron Shore Public, again, just through the public system with the midwives. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And when you got to 40 weeks, was there, because I know you got induced last time, were yeah. you like anti-induction this time around or were you going to give yourself a time frame? Like what was your plan? I was feeling completely different. I wanted to do it all on its own this time. Okay. I knew, I was like, my body is, I, I 
firstly, I know I can birth because I did it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pelvis is actually going to be completely fine. Um, and let's just – and I've, at this stage I've done so much more research and understanding sort of inductions and syntocinin and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this time we're just letting this be. Yeah. And um, it was incredible. Yeah. So you went into labour, sorry? Went into labour, had, you know, contractions started about sort of 10 minutes apart. Um, and the, these surges, contractions, waves, whatever you want to call them, felt so different to syntocin. Yeah, they do. You know, they're just beautiful. They, you know, they wave into, you feel a really nice build up. They come into your body, they leave your body, not like syntocin just smashes you and then goes, smashes you and goes. And yeah. I was like, this is great. And I felt because, you know, like you get that physiological onset of hormones you know you get all the endorphins and you get the bliss and I was just like this is great this is how it should be I was walking around our house Dane like kids know he got you know he sat up he was on the couch watching me (laughs) like 11 o'clock at night and here's this little two-year-old on the couch going mama you know like what's (laughs) going so cute um and we were just we were cool man we called mum she came over to get Dane and mum said, you know, don't leave it too long because, you you know, that was quite quick, your last labour, which it was. My active labour with the induction was quite quick. I mm-hmm. think it was, you know, six hours. And so, but I was like, no, I want to stay at home. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have your baby at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just stay. You know, obviously I want to birth at the hospital. That's why I chose to be for my clinical care. Um, but Rob and I were like, let's just stay at home and let this build up and let's do it our way this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did until, you know, I felt like I was getting really well progressed and then we got in the car and, you know, my labour just turned off in the car and I was like, ah, oh. which is, you know, pretty normal for um, change of environment. Mm-hmm. So we parked the car at Ronald Shaw and Rob goes, you know, we should just, let's walk up the hill and just see if we can get it going again. And if it's just a false start and we need to go home, we'll just go home again. I was like, great. So we parked at the bottom of the hill. Anyone who's seen that knows Raw North Shore Public, you know, there's a strip of cars that go up next to the birth centre. And we started at the bottom and we walked to the top. We got to the very top of the hill and I was like, Raw! <laughs> <laughs> Robbie scooped me up and, and, you know, walked, carried me down to the, <laughs> my big unit. Anyway, and we got to the door and my gorgeous midwife opened the door. Our angel, Rebecca, we've become such good friends since. Oh, um, she, yeah, she opened the door and I was just like, oh, wow, look at you. Like the white light behind her. And, the, and I said, will you please, are you going to stay with us? And she said, I'm going to go and find out. So, you know, they put you in, like, the observation room before you get to go into your birth room. And I was like, Rob, let's just turn out the lights. We're standing in the dark. He's like, you can't turn out the lights in here. I was like, just, I think this is the room that I'm going to be in. And, I, and he's like, it's a bit small. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> it's like I was came. so happy. And she took, then she took us into our – the rooms there are gorgeous. Um, but, you know, interestingly – I didn't want to be anywhere near water. Uh, I didn't want to be in the shower. I didn't want the bath, um, which is so fascinating because 
you know, so many women are drawn to water in labour or and then there's women who think they're going to be drawn to it and just don't want to be wet at all. Mm-hmm. So, which is the experience that I had. Um, and it just, the waves were coming and going. I really felt like I didn't, wasn't starting to make much sound until right towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um and you know that, oh, you know, that I, that I you know, was practicing in my yoga and that I teach women now. Yeah. Um, and I had a vaginal examination and my water still hadn't broken. And Beck said, you know, he's, the waters are bulging. Do you want me to break them for you? And you'll probably have your baby. And I said, no, let's let him do it when he's ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all kind of made that choice together. And a couple of contractions later, I stood up again and my waters broke everywhere. Oh. And. And I, I remember this so clearly. I said, I need to be on the ground. And as soon as I turned, like I went to turn to flop down on the ground and she'd like literally thrown this mattress across, slid it across the floor. <laughs> it was like the timing of it. And I just flopped down on the floor on all fours and had, you know, those massive contractions where you just, it takes you out of your body, you know, somewhere into the stars. And it was like, this is what I remember feeling at the peak of that. I was like, this is what I'm looking for. This is, yeah. this is what it was. Um, and I had a, Rob said that I was actually screaming fuck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then he was out. I didn't actually push Brocky out at all. He ejected from my body. Yeah. It, Beck was even said, you've got to like, try and stop pushing. And I, I was just, I, was, I couldn't, I said, I can't, he's coming. This is it. He's, yeah. he's coming out. And it was just, you know, that true sort of what I experienced was definitely that true fetal ejection reflux. I definitely didn't push him out. Um, and he was just, then he was there. And I couldn't believe it. I just, it was incredible. Mm. I loved it. I birthed a million babies like that over and over again. Yeah. It's just like. How did you compare that experience with your first birth? Totally different. It was just bliss. Yeah. Um, absolute like euphoria. Yes, it was intense. Um, and yeah, there was like, I don't like it when, you know, like it definitely, it was, the whole thing was so manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't like to tell people that you can meditate yourself away from pain, that it wasn't painful. It definitely, that's not the case. Cause that, I think that sets women up for failure. Yeah. But I think that it definitely was so manageable. The pain was so manageable that it wasn't really till right at the end where it kind of get that feeling like you're leaving your body or that you're, you know, like you kind of expand so much that your sound just, mm-hmm. you know, like that primal roar comes out. But even then I enjoyed that so much. It was like I really felt the peak of my power. Yeah. Whereas when I had, it was such a lack of, um, control like that was me that was me in all of my essence in all of my glory whereas with the induction even though it was a very successful induction and I loved my experience um, that wasn't me yeah I love that explanation and were there any fears during transition this time around no no nothing I, I felt um, I felt like it was exactly the way I wanted it yeah it felt great and are you guys going to go back for a baby number three, do you think? So we would have, look, I'm, Rob, my partner's 50, turned 50 this year, I turned 40 this year. We tried um, a couple of times after Brocky and I had three miscarriages, very early ones. And we just kind of then felt that 
um, I'd really started to get into my birth work and stuff then mm-hmm. and we just felt like it was just time to just um, stop trying. Yeah. Um, I think if we were, if we'd met, you know, in, in our next life, if we'd met when we were actually younger, I think we could have gone on to have, you know, more kids. Mm-hmm. But we're really happy um, now and I love so much what I do. It's my dharma. It's mm-hmm. my life purpose. I couldn't give that up now. It's such a huge part of who I am. I yeah. actually couldn't give that up again, like again, yeah. um, to go on and have more children. I think that's it's now my gift to give to other women. Yeah, I love that. Mm. If you were to go back for a third time, is there anything you would do differently? No, oh, I'd have a home birth. <sighs> Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, like my second birth could have so easily been a home birth, you yeah. know, but at the time, and we did consider it at the time, it was just too expensive. Yeah. It's just, you know, like so many women are in that in the hospital system that don't need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's we just need to have more options for birthing women. It's not, you know, it's can't, everyone doesn't go through the same cookie-cutter system. We need to have more respect for birthing women. And I think that just starts with fixing the holes in the walls in the hospitals and the birthing suites. Like that's kind of like... It's a good indication of how much we really care about the environment that women are birthing in. Some of it, like some of it, is appalling. Um, we've got such a long way to go in terms of what we're actually doing with birth in our culture. Mm-hmm. So many women are indoctrinated with such terrible stories, and it's you know like birth is hard. You know, I'm not gonna not going to sugarcoat the intensity. It's like the biggest event that a woman will experience in her life, physiologically, hormonally, metabolically, you know, hormonally, mm-hmm. neurologically. This is it. Like this is the biggest human experience that you have. Um, and, you know, sometimes I see women that come into my yoga classes and their preparation is hiring an obstetrician. Yeah. I think that's what they need to do. And I feel like um, – and you can't throw – force yourself and all your stuff on other women but I'm like if only I could just show them a portion of what I've seen Mm. so they have a glimpse that there is something else and it's not the stories they've heard it's not routine episiotomies you know there's something something so beautiful out there for them to grab and um it's everyone's opportunity to go for it it's just we um it starts massively with GPs as well because you know you Go to a GP and you say you're pregnant. They say here's your here's your like your local hospital and here's your OB. Yeah, so true. They don't say like this is where you get birth education. These are the different birth options that you can have. You know, don't hire an obstetrician because and go to a private hospital because you want a nice room after your birth. Mm. You know, these are what doulas are. You know, one of my my doula partner, um, who, who we back each other up and work together with clients and things like that because we take on, you know, sometimes, you know, four or five births a month. And um, she's an incredible woman, Amanda Bernstein, who's just set up a directory called Birthery, um, which is, you know, like, you know, there are doula directories out there, but there's so much more than that to really lift um, the profile of doulas in our community. Oh, amazing. Uh, so birthery, spelled B-I-R-T-H-A-R-Y.com.au. So amazing. And, you know, we need to get doulas on the map because yeah. we are true continuity of care. 
um, not from a clinical care perspective, mm-hmm. but from that other part of birth that is crucially important to making sure that women come out emotionally well yeah. and, and navigating that system and preparing them for their birth journey and being with them with every single contraction. Mm. Now, that's what that's what you need is that connection with someone that believes in birth and believes that you can do it. You know, it's so important to to the birthing journey and look not every woman needs a doula I respect that but a lot of women would have a lot better birth outcomes if they did yeah you know and a lot of I think sometimes people just think of doulas as being like a hand holder or you know like it's a new generation of doulas that are coming through that are so well educated mm. you know Amanda and I specialize in OMP and that's you know what's all about- OMP sorry Optimal maternal positioning. Okay, um, right. It's like it's like spinning babies on peptides. Okay, awesome. So it's really understanding the function of your pelvis, cardinal movements, how to optimize okay. not only the orientation of your pelvis but modifying the space inside your pelvis. Right, um, interesting. So you know that's something that we really focus on because I feel like it doesn't matter how many nice smelling oils you've got in your backpack if you know your client's baby is stuck in their pelvis. So, um, yeah, amazing. So, you know, like, and, you know, like there's girls out there that are hypnobirthing practitioners or mm. like you know, my approaches with the yoga therapy and, you know, like we bring so much more to the table than just walking into a birth and holding it, you know, like holding space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, recognising that doulas are, you know, professional birth workers mm-hmm. is, you know, the next step to come in our culture. Mm. I mean, I know you've just given a whole heap of advice, but is there any key piece of advice you would give to any expectant mothers out there? (laughs) Get a doula. Do you know, you've got to respect the birth as the beast, right? Uh So I think it's the energy and the intention that you bring to the experience that makes it beautiful. And if you come with an intent to be well-educated and to come from a place of, um, of, you know, with power and with might, then you're going to bring a lot more to the table that will impact your birth outcome. Yeah. Um, and power comes with knowledge, um, understanding your choices and understanding how you choose your pathway of care and the people that you have around you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that you just want to go in and wing. Um you know, like I would never show up to a marathon and go, I'm just going to give this a crack today. Yeah, so true. No, no training. So, you know, you need to prepare your mind like any other muscle you would in your body to support peak performance. And you need to, yeah, that's, that's what I got. <laughs> That was perfect. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on today, Danae, and sharing your journey and a lot of laughs with us. Thank you for having me. So it's beautiful to recount your birth. It's not often we do that. Yeah. So thank you. That brings us to the end of the show. A great tip that I took away from Danae's story is if you're birthing in a hospital and your surges stop on the way there, get out and get moving to help bring them back. But maybe just don't go up a hill. Also, intuitively listening to your body and following its cues for what position will be best for you to birth your baby. Let me know what you think of today's show over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.